Welcome to episode 829 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right here, team. Welcome along to episode 829 of Iron Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good. Thanks, Bevan. I've got a new flat, mate. You got a new flat, mate? Yeah, John Newsom. Yeah, I'm hanging out today. Yeah. Well, you give me a text that I'm desperate. Can I hang out at your house, mate? Come anytime. Power's off the day. Roadwork's happening in our street. Mm. For, for the whole day. <laughs> and it's like the shittiest day of winter in Christchurch, just yeah. about. So it's like any other day would be good. But hey, we'll have. Good power supply for the rest of our lives. Oh, I tell you, it's made. I'm talking proudly brought to you by Form Goggles. Get the most real time metrics, hundreds of guided workouts, and lap by lap motivation. Check them out at www.formswim.com. Those are the goggles that give you the information as you're swimming. And I'll talk through sort of the basics of it later in the show. Yeah, I highly recommend. And our patrons. Moose, uh, Marion Creaming the Moose Herring. <laughs> We've got Christina Stringer. Uh, Steaming up the room, Ahmed. And William, treasure chest, Lockwood. This week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got a coach's corner. About walking, Bevan. I was walking on my run the other day, on my long run. I thought this might be a little bit of a topic to use for when the show. When you say walking? Well, I was not aimlessly walking. I was, it was actually a little bit muddy. I was forced to walk, but I still thought this might be a sort of your long run right now? Uh, what did I do? I think I did an hour 40-ish. Where are you running? Know. What day are you running? Uh, Thursday. Oh, no, it's going to change to Wednesday, actually, this week from now on. Yeah, Wednesdays. Sundays. Sorry, not Sunday. No. I've started running long on Sunday. No. Yeah, no, no. Fine then. Fine then. Yeah. You can't, no longer my flat, mate. <laughs> uh, we've also got an interview. We are. We're just going to have a quick interview because uh, one of our listeners I know, knew was doing the Western States 100 at the weekend. Uh, this is a 100-mile race in California, and I thought it would be good just to get someone on to have a quick chat about that. It's a pretty iconic race. We've got a product review. We're going to talk about the uh, form goggles. And then we've got Wing of the Week questions and answers at the end. We've got a really good feedback from about the German Ironman. Eh? That's quite fascinating. Eh? We'll talk about mm. that later on. Okay, Ironman Germany happened over the weekend. One thing I was thinking as I was looking at the show notes this morning, is this the, e- other than PTO, because PTO has changed the game in money for pros, but is this the easiest year ever for second tier pros to make money? Yeah, I'd probably say it would be. Um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of mid-season races with not a lot of people racing, as we've sort of seen this weekend. So because you yeah. got you had St George, mm-hmm. you got Collins Cup, mm-hmm. you have the seventy point three Kona, and you've got the two um, PTO races. Yeah, so of course, it's going to be pretty pretty thin. So so for these Ironmen, you know, like the second tier, like we look mm-hmm. at the German field, and nothing against the athletes here, but if we look at the females field, like who came third? We've had her on the show before, um, Timothy Lee, Lee Duke. Oh, she's a she's, well done, getting third. Yeah, only six people racing, only four people finishing. It wasn't the European Championships for the females, so. But there's still a payday. Still a payday, absolutely. You know, and mm-hmm. so like someone like Dimity, that's that's Dimity Lee. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, and, and I just think second tier pros this year, and even the men's race. You know, I'm in Germany. Dennis Chevrolet, he's a good athlete. Yep. He, I think he's he's a highly underrated athlete. So we'll go go on to the results because Denny Chevro uh, took it out and. Look, we've got to say, despite what Bevan's saying there, we had four sub-nine hour, sub-eight-hour performances on the boys' side. I wasn't able to find any stats in terms of uh, course accuracy, but I think it's usually pretty good there, I think. Yeah. Um, so that's sensational. So 
in 238.44. That is quick. He, and he's got a history of doing some amazing run splits. So he swam 48, rode 420, and did a 238.44 for a, worth about a four-minute victory or three-and-a-half, uh, 752.53 over Robert Wilkowiecki. I've got to look him up because I know absolutely nothing about him other than he's from Poland. He's currently got a ranking of 163, finished fourth in Germany. He won 70.3 Warsaw uh, in June. Last year he got fourth in Cozumel, DNF'd in Germany. His other other rankings were in the 20s and 30s. Did get eighth in Barcelona eighth in, in 2019. Oh, I like how you sort of did your little yeah, Barcelona, Barcelona there, Bevan. It's very Spanish of you. Uh, so that's an awesome race for him to step up into a 7.56. Clement Mignon, who I think this might have been his first Ironman, he was third in 7.58. And rounding out the sub-eights was Paul Schuster uh, in 7.59. So... Yeah, awesome racing on the boys' side. Um, no, where's, what's Denny Chevro's biggest race? So he's won Ironman Western Australia a few times. Uh, last year he won Ironman Austria, won 70.3 Warsaw, fourth in Tulsa. Um, but it hasn't, doesn't look like he's really... Is he at a Kona top 10? He's, no, he went to Kona in 2018, he got 26th. He got 32nd in 2017, 23rd in 2016, DNF the year so, before. So good second tier, really, isn't he? I know he's won some races, but he hasn't performed at the next level. Yeah, he seems to perform well at second year races races to a very high standard, but maybe at the big ones. Doesn't kind of pull through. Not quite as good, but um, yeah, awesome performance by him. On the female side, uh, and the females were an hour and 10 minutes slower than the the boys. Uh, Daniela Blameyer was first in a 9.02. She's a good athlete. She's one route. Mm hmm. Uh, and Nikki Bartlett, another good athlete, was a couple of minutes back, so reasonably close racing, and then another 10 minutes back to Dimity Lee Duke. So as Bevan said, only four finishes on the female side. On the boys, 22 finishes, quite a few DNFs. Holy crap. A lot of DNFs. So you're saying you think it was going to be interesting for the PPTO points because I, some of these weaker fields are getting fast times. Yeah, I'm just going to be interested to see how the point dis- points distribution goes and how that sort of formula works when these guys, you know, they're going sub-eight, so you'd think they're going to get reasonable points, but you haven't got those but rock does that, stars. Because it's Torsten who's doing it. Does that consider the field or is it just the race? I'm quite sure on that. Yeah, is it the history of the race? <laughs> yeah. You know, because you kind of, if, if I imagine if Dawson's going, kind of, you've got Kona first, and then you have your mm. second tier races, which is probably going to be like a, like Germany in most years. Mm. You know, Germany normally would sit, you're normally outside of Ironman, in the Ironman world, Germany was the second most important race of the year, really, wasn't mm. it? You know, so it'll be interesting to see if these guys credit from that. Ironman France. Yep, and we had uh, Rudy von Berg doing his first Ironman. You kind of expected that he was, even though he hadn't done one before, he was probably the favourite, and he went out there and did the business. Pretty slow uh, time, is it? Really hard course, is it? Oh, yeah, the bike course is, is pretty tricky. 8.24, you don't see that much nowadays, do you? No, so he swam 50, rode a 4.38, and ran a 2.48. Uh, read his little Facebook post, sounded like he um, was starting to struggle a bit on the run, but luckily uh, William Menison, who was second, was struggling a little bit more because they came off the bike. A little bit of a gap between them, um, but Rudy Von Berg managed to do a 2.48 for an 8.24.35. Um, uh, whilst he races for America, Nice is kind of his hometown race. Uh, and then we had another three Frenchies uh, in second, third and fourth. On the female side, only six finishes and Svenja Tholes took that out by a whopping dojo domination. She did nine hours and 18 minutes. And second place, Alexandra Tondeur was... 24 minutes behind her, so a crushing victory. And yeah, when we look at the old uh, the one hour 
barometer. She was 54 minutes slower than the boys. So that's a pretty respectable performance. I just went on his YouTube channel. It's, it's amazing how many pros this part of your job is to get the social media mm. thing nowadays. He's got really high production videos. They're, like, they're quite beautiful. Mm. Not getting a huge amount of views but at this stage, but literally he's only done three, so I imagine it will build. But you know, it's a big, big part of your job now is the audience building, isn't it? Well, if you want sponsors, it is. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah. Uh, Flora Duffy bike didn't make her... What, what happened here, John? Well, so, because I, I knew Flora Duffy was supposed to be racing in uh, 70.3 in Mont-Tremblant at the weekend, and I was thinking, this is going to be great. She's going to go out there and crush it and prove everybody, prove us all right that she's an amazing across uh, the, the medium course or middle course distances. But I saw, I, I didn't see her name results, and I thought, oh, what happened there? Did she could blow up did she crash did she not start and she didn't start because the bike didn't turn up she was oh, flying in a couple okay. of day, couple of days before bike didn't turn up bike didn't turn up her husband um actually went down to the airport on race morning and was trying to get the bike back in time to to do it just didn't turn up her, her, her disc wheel turned up apparently but the bike did not and she couldn't so, get one well she probably possibly could have um surely She's pretty small, so it would, I think it would have been a real challenge. For, for a regular-sized person like you and I, you know, medium, yeah, yep. you'd probably be able to find one. I, I don't actually know what height she is, but I'm pretty sure she's quite small. To find four small female bikes is not that easy. And mm. so what if I'm, someone like Flora Duffy turns up, you, you get a bike for her. Yeah. You know what I mean? If, if, if you're in Christchurch and you get a call from someone saying, mate, Flora Duffy's in town, she's racing this weekend, can you get her a bike? Yeah. You're getting her a bike. But I think she she turned up quite late. Like she only turned up maybe two days before the race. So I think she's... Where yeah. was she racing? Sorry? Because whoever's in that community is sharpen up. Mont Montreal community, <laughs> hang your head in shame. Hang your but head she might in not, shame. But she might not have let anybody know. Who knows? <laughs> anyway, she didn't race. That was going to be her chance to qualify for 70.3 Worlds. And she's probably going back to do the ITU, well not ITU, World Triathlon Circuit now. So hopefully we haven't missed our opportunity to see her race at the 70.3 Worlds. They'll give her a wild card, won't they? Well, that, I hope so. Because that's a legitimate chance. She would, she would have if, if she yeah. hadn't won, she would have gotten the top car put two, uh, and she would have got a slot. She made the intent to go there. Different story when if you just wanted a wild card, you'd go, well, you didn't really make any effort to go and do it. And, this and is, she's the name you wanted at the race. Oh, you know, absolutely. it's like the Olympic, you know, like the the Kona of the Olympic champions. You know, mm. like a, we, you want Flora Duffy there. So hopefully she asks for a wild card, and hopefully they get well, Hopefully they just offer her one. The PTO have announced the female field for the Canadian Open. It's happening on the 23rd and 24th of July. Uh, the rock stars are there, but we are missing Reef, Haig, and Matthews. Oh, Daniela, uh, no, um, Haug might be racing. They said oh, she's playing her cards close to her chest because she is doing rote this weekend. So hopefully she might be there, but it sounds like Daniela Reef, her name's not on the list, and there's no mention of Cat Matthews either. But outside of that, it's basically a world championships field, you know. And I know when you haven't got the biggest rock star down in our reef there, it does take a bit away. And it doesn't. I think I saw the men's list the other day, and I don't think Fredino is down there either. Um, but they're doing rote, you know. For them to turn around from rote yeah. uh, in what the three weeks' time are more favourable. They are, but you know, no, I get if, it. You I go, get if you go and pump out a really hard Ironman. Some of these athletes can turn around and do it, but if you want to be especially if you think best of your performance, it's like, well, I could go and do it, but Kona's actually more important for me. I'm better off to recu recuperate, and then hopefully maybe, maybe they'll do the American one. So, so do you know the dates? 
What dates? Canadians, obviously. And this one's 23rd, 24th of uh, July, and the other one is timed quite nicely before Kona, so the, the timing is So you've good. got Collins Cup in August. And then it's in September at some stage, I'm pretty sure. Now, is that clash of the 70.3s no, after 70. Kona 70.3 Worlds is late this year, okay. so everything fits in perfectly. Well, interestingly, so next year, because, you know, this year, in the last couple of years, obviously been COVID-affected. Um, when we think of next year, are all these races going to be at the same time? You should ask people that organise the races. Up. Well, no, because it's like we're kind of getting you have that between July to August. It's hmm. packed with all these big races. Hmm. Are we going to see like the Australia? Are they having an Australasian PTO race? Not. They're going to have an Asian one. And where's that going to be? Don't know. Yeah, well, do you have <laughs> do you know how random? I'm questions. not a walking encyclopedia. Come on, you are. PTO you're the walking, race dates. You're the triathlon encyclopedia. That's what people call you. <laughs> um, so, because the thing I'm interested in is. Going back to my point earlier, is it going to be easier for second-tier pros to make money long-term mm. from Ironman? Because let's be honest, all the top guys are going to go to PTO races now. You'd hope so. And there's a million bucks on the line. Yep. And money isn't the massive driver. If you're the top guy in the world, your money's still a motivator, I'm sure. But your big thing is I want to win Kona. And, and it's I want your organisation. Yeah, so. you know, you're going to back PTO. So you've got that. You're going to have Kona every year. Then you're going to have your 70.3 champs every year. Mm-hmm. You know, th- that's five races already. Mm-hmm. And you've got to qualify for Kona somewhere. Yeah. So, so you sucks. know, if we go back to that second tier pro, and I know this year is unique because lots of people raced St. George earlier in the year and it's kind of changed the dynamic of the year. But I kind of wonder if moving forward, the second tier pro gets a lot of benefit, not mm. just from PTO having their races, mm. but from the lack of competition in, in other races around the world. And that, I think that could be a good thing. We, it's taken years and years and years at the World Triathlon uh, in terms of their races, they have the World Triathlon Series. All the big kahunas always turn up to those. And then you've got World Cups. And these days, World Cups, are, they're competitive. Like really? You, don't get, you occasionally get a big gun turning up to them. But in terms of the standard and the development for athletes, yeah, that, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, you, if you win a World Cup race, you know, then you can quite easily step up and do probably mid, mid-pack at a World Triathlon Series. So hopefully, you know, for the development of those athletes, then it's going to be a good thing. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, uh, there was a few exciting. 70.3s at the weekend. We had Challenge Walshie. Uh, Simone Kulmhofer took that out. Uh, Frederick Fonk beat Sam Long. Uh, he got a penalty. He didn't. Sam Long didn't dismount at the right point. Um, but he's, he's racing right. Recently, isn't it? Sorry. Uh, yeah, we had 70.3 Eisenhower. Um, Emma Pallant-Brown beat out Ashley Gentle. And Daniel Beckengard beat out his mate uh, Mickey Tagholt. And then we had 70.3 Montrand Blanc. Uh, Tamara Jewett smoked everybody there. And Lionel Sanders took out the boys' race. Okay, this weekend, one of the big iconic races of the year, Challenge Route, is happening. And we've got a bit of a competition. The men's race is going to be pretty fascinating. So if you're a betting person, you're probably going to say Fredino, but you've got Fredino and Langer. And then Hug is happening in the females' race. Other than that, they're the rock stars, really, aren't they? Oh, yeah, but they're, they're, it's a good field. But, yeah, I'm fascinated to see how Fredino and Langer go, given they're both on the comeback from um, injuries. So you got no form leading into it. Yeah, you'd put your money on Fredino if he's 100%, but you don't know, really know with either of them what sort of percentage fitness they're at. So it's going to be great. Keenlay was down to race as well. I don't think he would have been threatening these guys, but he had COVID and had a crash, so he's pulled out. So it's a bit of a disappointing into his career when he's uh, struggled yeah. a bit of late with, with injuries and, and what have you. So that's a shame I for him. I imagine that's a lot of pros into their career better, isn't it? Mm. You know, like there's not many pros just kind of winning and finish. Mm. 
Um, Chrissy, you know, there are a couple. Oh, but, yeah, Mark you know, Allen. Yeah. yeah, there are a few. Uh, Magnus Ditlev, be interesting to see. This is his second Ironman. See Here's how a question, he goes. Actually. Sorry, random. Is this Fredino's last year? Uh, if he wins Conan, does he quit and finish? I would, you'd almost hope so, because you'd want him to go out on a real high. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, like, I don't know. I have no, I have no insight, but it's kind of cool, because, well. What is, he's 40 now, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's even Yeah, yeah. got to be, yeah. It'd be like you know, if you win Kona, what a swong mm. song, mm. you know. Now you could be Dave Scott and just continue on. Yeah, I don't think so. I think I'm, I'm with you on that. I'd say, had had it not been for COVID, he probably would have, you know, maybe given up a year or two ago. But um, it's God. forty. He's actually going to be. He's he's born a, year, a day before me, a few years later. So um, he'll be forty-one by Kona. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's surely will that be made? That surely that'll make him the oldest Kona winner. Surely Crowy wasn't. Crowy was pretty no, right Crowy up wasn't. There. Crowy was in his forties. Yeah, Kona, no. That'll be a cool thing to do. Uh, the other notable. I'm going ent- to figure that out while you talk. The other notable uh, entrant in or entrance in rope this weekend on the boys' side. You got Sam Long racing. Uh, Kyle Smith. Um, both. You know, Kyle Smith was uh, leading the race at the World Champs earlier this year. So I'm sure he'll be trying to hang on to Fredino coming out of the swim and, and on the bike. Uh, and also Cameron Brown is trying to be the fastest 50-year-old ever to do an iron distance race. So he's been battling with um, running injuries. So hopefully he can go out there and put in. A, a respectable performance um, he's been over there for a few weeks training around rope so good luck to him and then yeah on the female side you really have got uh, <clears throat> Anne Haug who you would expect to completely dominate the dojo she's predicted to come in 20 minutes ahead of Fenella Langridge um, but the race for second should be great because on Torsten's tryrating.com uh, it's predicted that will only be four minutes covering uh, second place through to fifth so it should be awesome and go the Kiwi Rebecca Clark going over there. Um, okay, what year do you reckon Corey last won Kona? I know it's Crowley. This is Bevan's quiz question. <coughs> uh, where are we now? We're 2022. I would have thought 2013. That was 2011. All oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So, so he was actually, he must have, I don't know exact age, but he's 48 now, so he's probably around 47, 37. Mm. Yeah, when he won it. So, yeah, so Fredino is a lot older. Mm. You know, so, um, and Mark Allen went, he was. Oh, he was nowhere near that old. Oh, wasn't he? No. Dave Scott got second at 41, didn't he? 42. Wow. That, mm. Especially in those days. That's so impressive, isn't it? Mm. You know, because nowadays with science and gear and, you know, yeah. just the understanding of training and looking after the body is, you know, we're a hundred times ahead of that. You yeah. know, that was a phenomenal effort. Um, okay, anything else about Rolt? Uh, that, that's it. It's, good. it's an awesome race. If you want to go over there next year, uh, I'm going to be having my camp, so you can check that out on the Epic Camp website. It is an awesome camp, awesome way to go and do, do the race. And if Rote's not on your bucket list, it should be. And the other thing with the ra- with the camp is we do have slots for the race, and normally to get into, to get into the event itself is extremely difficult. Yeah. So if you want to go, I've still got some spaces, uh, get in touch. Golden ticket. And exactly. Uh, also coming up this weekend, we've got Ironman Austria. Um, the has one Kona slot for the boys, uh, $50,000 paying 10 deep. It's just a, a um, pro men's race. You've got Rasmus Svensson, Michael Weiss, and Ivan Tuktukin, uh, the top three seeds there. What are the races we have outside of the Ironman world? Uh, there's not a huge amount happening at the weekend. Uh 
I just think everyone's just building up for my birthday next week, so that's not not that much racing. Got a the everyone's building up for your birthday. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. All the races are yeah. cancelled. Newsom's <laughs> birthday. How old are you? Be forty six, are you? Yeah, yeah. Jeepers, mate. Uh, the Chi Tri Man is in France. The Stone Brixia Man is in Italy. That oh, I don't know if this one. Urkman Iron Triathlon is supposed to be happening in Ukraine. Doubt that'll be happening, unfortunately. Connect Canada Man Extreme. Um, the Bastion in the UK. Uh, that's about it. Okay, so last week we were talking about the Montreal World Triathlon Series race, which was the Eliminator Series, which is basically three races, wasn't it? You had a little qualifying race first day, and that took you to the top 30, males and females. And then on Sunday you had, uh, it was either Saturday or Sunday, maybe it was Saturday, you had three races, uh, 30 starters, eliminating 10 after each race. Now, the, the thing we were curious about was, would it be a very good spectacle where it just basically the last race mattered? You obviously watched it. I did, and I remember I was thinking when I was watching, I was going, I think I contradicted myself quite badly oh, on the really? show last week. Okay, tell me about it. Well, no, because I said I was worried about athlete welfare, about maxing them out. Yeah. Every, and I was thinking, and I said, maybe you've had a point system where you have, you know, maybe you have 10 points for first in the first race, maybe 20 in the second yeah. and 30 in the third. I thought, that's a, that's a great idea. But then you are forcing the athletes to, to go back yeah, every yes, three yeah, races in a row. So hypocrite there and contradicting myself. But was it a spectacle? Was it... Or, or are you just waiting for the last race? You are, right. especially on the female race this time round. It was waiting until the last race. The first two were a bit of a procession. However, I would say I was genuinely interested in it because we had Kiwis that were going to be on the cusp the whole okay, time. Okay. And so I was watching them going, are they going to make it? Are so they for going a hardcore it? fan who maybe has that country alignment, if you've got people on the bottom end, it can be interesting. Yeah. Whereas um, Joe Public probably is not going to be. And those ones that are on the cusp uh gunning it to try and make it you know you see them yeah. as the first round because it's collapse, a race for the bottom really collapse, isn't it? collapsing on the ground so the females race did end up to being a procession until the last race the last race was good you didn't really know what happened and it wasn't if you haven't seen it, it was uh Possibly not the result you were expecting, so that was good racing. The boys' side of it. You're not going to say the results. Um, I think we're going to have to talk about results on the show. Okay. Yeah. If you don't know the results, fast forward a couple yeah. of seconds. Um, George Taylor Brown took it out. You're expecting Cassandra Bogrand to run away with it. Three of them got away on the bike, uh, and she, Cassandra she Bogrand, was sloppy her. in transition, and she lost the race in transition. Oh, really? It was like a, I don't know. Eight, she lost about eight seconds in transition and lost the race by less than eight seconds. Um, it doesn't, is it killing themselves? Like they swim four minutes, bike 11 minutes, run six minutes. Oh, you're there on the limit. They oh, are, mate, I can't even imagine. On. The interesting thing, and I know if, for, for people that watch this sort of stuff, so Cassandra Bogrand is hopeless on the bike. Okay. She doesn't go through and take her turns. Um, oh, really? And, and I, but I, is she a bad cyclist or is she just doesn't do a bit? Uh, both, okay. yeah. And so strategically say, oh, why would you go through? Yeah, of course. Uh, and so on. And I remember, if you remember a few weeks ago, she, Flora Duffy dropped her on the bike and That's forced right. her off the back. Yep. And the thing is, though, with her is she's a weapon on the run, but she's leading the swim as well. And if you think about it, you go, well, I'm not doing any work on the bike, but I don't see you guys coming around me on the swim and helping on the swim when I'm, yep. when I'm leading in the swim. So it's like... And, and to be honest, as much as I'd probably be pretty pissed off if I was in the pack and she's just holding on to the back... Mm. Mate, that's triathlon. Mm. You know, like your job is to get rid of her. You yeah. know, like if, if you know you've got a weapon runner next year, you've got to do something on the bike to break them. And yeah, in her case specifically, because she is leading the swim, 
she's either leading or second. Um, it's like, well, come on, I'm doing the work in the swim. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the fastest runner. Especially in a race so, like this, which is so fast. Because mm. so don't be too hard on Cassandra Bogrand. Um, she is a weapon. The boys' side of it, though, they did look like they had to work a bit harder each round. The top guys were still, you know, well in control. But Alex Yee nearly got uh, eliminated after one oh, of the really? rounds. Really? Well. Early on, he had to run quite hard to get, to get to get through, and then he came through in the final round and um, just pipped Hayden Wild, who had some was it challenges a sprint on the bike. Uh, it wasn't a sprint finish. It did come down to the last hundred meters, yeah. and Hayden Wild was leading up until probably two or three hundred to go. Um, but he had a mechanical on the bike and had to waste a lot of energy on so the bike. So is he a better kick? Uh, yeah, is, is that touch better runner? So yeah. if you, every time you're going into it, it's going to be a running race. You're going to go. You're probably going to be together. Yeah, you'll probably outkick him. There'll okay. be days when Hayden Wild beats yeah, him. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But you would go seven times out of ten, you'd probably put your money on Yee. The, 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 what would be great to see is some more challenging bike courses because Hayden Wild is one of the best cyclists. Oh. And if you had some really, really hard yeah. bike courses, and Yee's not crap on the bike, but, but if you put him under a bit more pressure. Um, what are they both looking to swim? Because I uh, see Leo. both struggle to make the middle group at best. Okay. So they are both vulnerable. Because these, so. these two are the names at the moment, aren't oh, they? No one's, no one's getting close to these two. I love and, it. And, and even if even if they don't make the front group, they're that much better than everybody else, that they'll probably run up. They're both so young. Because how old is Hayden? <clears throat> uh, I'd say Hayden's probably 24-ish. And, Hayden, and, and he's about the same, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, they're both about the same. So we've got, so no, we've got a good five, six years of They're going to crush it through to, all the way through to Paris. Oh, good stuff. Uh, mixed relays always good to watch. A few lead changes there. Um, so that was uh, that was quite a good watch. Seems to be heaps better with the, the change in order, where they're going male, female, male, female. Uh, it just seems, to, this just seems to be more changes. And I don't know, I just seem to, that when the, you have the females go first, it kind of splinters it quite quickly. Okay. And uh, so it kind of stays together. Unfortunately, our Kiwis, we were... Looking good for getting second or third place, and we just dropped a fourth place, which was a shame. Yep. Uh, there was also the cool thing over here was they had some age group um, relays as well. So you know, mixed team relay for, for age groupers who went over there and raced, and they did that in ten year age groups. Um, I had one female that I coach over there doing it. She said it was awesome fun, and I've never seen her run so fast before in my life. Oh really? So I looked at her, her runs, but I thought, holy crap, balls! That was uh, that was pretty quick. When was the last time you've done a race like that? You know, like, like oh, the distances like years ago. Yeah. However, July twenty fourth, Bevan, we're doing a little super sprint triathlon in our in our club rooms in Waltham. We're going to do it on the indoor trainers, and uh, I'll partake in that and see how fast I can go. The one thing I suppose about the Eliminator series is it's good TV. Is it? Yeah. Okay. You're, 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 you're. Uh, if you're if you're doubting. And it just came down to that last race. As I said, I think... Was the last race good TV? Yeah, the last race was good. Yeah, no, there was, there was plenty happening in the last race. So the oh, I just think it's kind of like a 20-minute block. Mm. You know, you think, you know, you have your, you get your ads, you do the next race, you know. Yeah. Like. In, in terms of, yeah, if you were going to do a highlights package, uh, as you said, like a 20-minute block, you'd just do a quick, tiny summary of race one and race two. Yeah. Race three, there was enough dy- dynamics and breaking up. It wasn't a procession And then you show the, the male and female race, and that's your hour. Yeah. So um, in that regard, it used to be good. But in terms of live coverage, it was it was good. I, I enjoyed it. But, you know, mass, mass audience, possibly not so much. Okay. Anyhow. Here we go, um, this week's discussion. This week's discussion, what was the most epic training that you can think of that you would actually like to attempt? We had some good, cho- good choices here. Most people have gone for epic long stuff rather than necessarily epic uh, no intensity. Fast. No which is fast. Yeah. You know, everyone's just, let's go longer. 
Uh, so David Joe said bike Badwater to Mount Whitley Trailhead in California, then run up and down. I've seen videos of guys doing it. Sounds like an epic 24 hours. So Badwater is where they do that. Um, the the marathon, of, isn't it? Yeah, oh, yeah the, the crazy one. The crazy one the where desert, you kind of run yeah. through the desert and... What is that called? I can't remember. Bad Water Marathon, isn't it? Bad Water Ultra or? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. I'll have a look. Okay, I've got here, Arnold's got riding the seven Madures, 367Ks, 12,000 metres of climbing, seven epic passes. Uh, I, I'm not going to name them all. Did it twice. It's the most epic 24 hours of my life. The hardest, the most, the most stunning, the craziest. Italian passes have 20% grave, gravel stretch or gradient stretch maybe. Uh, the most magical... And he saw a firefly rain at 2am. He loved it. George Samuel, I'd love to see how far I could cycle uh, so simulate a 24-hour TT. Just just go for it. Go for it. See well, would you do it on a track? Uh, if you wanted to go see how distance-wise you you would, that'd be boring as batshit. Um, it would be boring. But yeah, riding point to point somewhere for something that's going to take How far do you reckon you could go? Uh, no, you know, you, you realize you, trying to max you'd, out. You'd have to. Well, oh, you'd have realistically, some you'd have to have a few few stops. But God, you'd like to think you'd, including stops, probably average twenty k's an hour, maybe. So you'd what, be twenty. It kind of depends what sort of roads you're on. That's factoring in stops and stuff. Like on epic camps when we're riding, um, you know, I'm normally averaging about twenty five k's an hour, including stops. Yep. Yeah. Um, so so you'd probably minute, about you probably say You might get fifty five hundred k's done, maybe. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. Um, when you're doing, when you're doing your Everest thing, well, you've got two challenges at the moment. You've got, got like, very contradictory. Got a, got a few more coming on the table as well after this. Um, 24 hour time trial. Okay, we've got um, Adam, sorry, Alan Cardwell. Some serious stuff in here. Well, that's not very <laughs> helpful. Uh, Alan Palmer's got whatever Lionel does. Yeah. yeah. Um, Brian Bryan. <laughs> Brian, Brian, I wonder, surely that's not your name, Brian. No, I, Brian. I, knew, I made it school called Peter Peters. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah so. um, either a point-to-point 24-hour cycling challenge. Uh, I did a civil twilight version of this last summer, which worked out to be 16 hours and 14 minutes to go as far as I can. He did 357 kilometres oh, in go. 16 hours. Or a rim-to-rim-to-rim uh, challenge of the Grand Canyon. That is a cool idea. Christine McKinley, now I've cheated on her, John. Yeah. You know, we had a really good relationship, but I'm a cheat. Because oh. I went to another dentist the other day. Well, she's not in Christchurch anymore. I know, anymore, but I still so feel like I'm a cheat. You know, she's, she's left town. She's no she's longer grinding. She's no longer grinding me. Yeah. You know, I have to get someone else to grind nor me. My, nor me. I've got to do the same. <laughs> You've never grinded me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, she's got, um, it's probably not super exciting to Kiwis, but the longest day coast to coast would be an epic day for me that I would love to do. If you don't know what it is, you, basically you go from one, from the west coast to the east coast of the South Island. In one day, it's, it's seriously one of the, I, I do the MC work at it. Arguably one of the greatest sporting events in the world. It's so absolutely fantastic. One of the, so the winners are normally doing probably what eleven hours or so. Yeah, maybe a little bit longer. So like yeah, for I think and, and, they're, that, yeah. and they're miles ahead. You know, if, if I was to do it, I haven't added up the numbers, but if they're doing eleven, I'm thinking I'd probably be thirteen or fourteen. Yeah. Um, you basically you, you, you bike seventy k or you run a k. Your bike's about seventy. You kayak for about six hours. Yeah. Then you, you then you, oh no sorry you run you run basically an off road marathon more or less. It's a little bit less but it's about that same time frame. Then you kayak for about six hours and then you ride another maybe 50 in the town. Yeah. Um, great race. She'd love to do it. Uh, Michael Kennedy, I'm about to do 15 stages through the Dolomites, Swiss Alps and the French Alps. I'll get back to you about which day was the most epic. Um, you know, was he a jo- uh, George Samuel? I'd love to see it on it. Several 24-hour time trials. Nikki, okay. Sam, Nikki Sweetman said riding from Christchurch to Hokitika. That's probably about 
I don't know, that'd be about 275. Yeah, Queenstown trip was cool. Yeah, we did two days. We did it was about two, 220Ks each, each of those day, days, yeah. something like that. That was pretty cool. What's yours? I've got one. I have got one today. Well, I've got a couple. Um, and Christy McKinlay, I replied to her one because I thought that was a gold idea. So this coast-to-coast event... It's got a lot of admin in it in the terms of training for it. The kayak is like, it's divorce yeah. material um, <laughs> because... Well, it's, it's way more expensive. It's more expensive and just the travel time and the training yeah. for it is difficult. And you need so, a whole, you've got to develop a whole new skill set. Yeah. And so I'm thinking I'd really like to do the coast to coast, but I just, I don't want to invest that much time into learning how to kayak and doing all the training and just having full days away here and yep. there and everywhere. Yep. So I'm thinking, I want to do the coast to coast. I need to find some people to take us through the kayak and double kayak. So doing the, the rest of it, you, you can do the random teams. Well, I don't want to do the race. I just want to do it as a training day like oh, this. Oh, okay. As you find some people, I know some people who take us through and double kayaks. We do the, the bike and the, the run. You know, I'd probably need a guide on the run as well. And then you go through the kayak. You don't need your certification or heaps of skills. You need to do a little bit of training for it. Uh, and then you'd be able to do the event without officially partaking in the event. So I thought that was a gold idea, Chrissy, and I am going to follow that up. It may take a couple of years, but I will. that is something I'd love to do. Um, and the other ones that I thought of uh, that I would like to do is a bit more of a speed challenge is uh, seeing... What did I have down here? Back-to-back sprint distance triathlons to make up a half Ironman. And so just basically having a small gap between each one, so kind of Super League style and doing uh, multiple races back Sprint, back. how many do you have to do? Well, you probably do, you wouldn't be exactly sprint distances, but you maybe do uh, five or four. Ooh, four. that's a tough thing. Well, yeah. but you'd probably just cruise it, wouldn't you? No, you, the, the idea would be you, you have, a, have a prize at the end for oh, okay, who goes so it's faster. A, it's a race so it's, type it's, thing. it's a race type thing. Um, so I thought that would be a cool... Rather than just going long, that's an and crazy. Waiting to happen. Oh no, you'd be right. <laughs> uh, Here we are, Mr. Hippogriff. Oh, don't push it too hard. <laughs> and then, but then the one other one that I did do on my 40th birthday that I don't think I'll ever be on the top was uh, running 10k, and I did that in 36:50, and then biked 30k's, ran for two hours, did 100 100s, and biked 90k's, and that was on day 10 of an epic camp. I don't think I'll ever top that day. That was pretty full on. How were you at the end of that day? I was a bit emotional, to be honest. Oh, really? I was like, I think I was so tired, and it was a full twelve-hour challenge. Yeah, I and it was your forties, was wasn't it? Yeah, it was on my forties. So it was kind of a significant I was, moment. I was pretty ruined at the end. I've yeah. got one to go from here to the top of the mountain, up to like where our ski field is. Yeah. So, what mountain would you choose if you were? Because okay, so I'm I live on the hill in Christchurch. How how far would it be to the the bottom of the hill? Um, Mountains. So basically, we're in my lounge right now. We've got a beautiful view. Uh, today, admittedly, we can't see because the clouds. But you got the kind of the flat Christchurch, and then you got the Southern Alps off in the distance. And so from here, looking to the, to the bottom of the Alps, 70, 80 k's. So that, and then up one of the mountains. Uh, would have run up like the access road of a ski field up Mount Hutt. I'm guessing it's probably tenish k, something like that. But then to get to the top. Would be that'd be where it'd be a bit more scrambling. So yeah, yeah that certainly would not be a day challenge. Uh, that would be a half day challenge. But it'd be it'd be good good to get to the top. Well, I'd love it. I you know just to be able to go when I look out this room to think mm. I went from here to there. Mm. You know, I often think oh I should do that. You know, like just I just need to figure out the logistics of it. That'd be pretty easy to go up Mount Hutt. That'd be a summer but challenge. Way down there is it? I want to go one that's kind of like when I look at that mountain, I go oh yeah, that's the one I've conquered. They're even easier. Yeah, mm. oh, there you go. So I might do that. Mount Oxford. Is that is that that yeah. way? Okay. Yeah. There you go. Maybe I'll do it. It's just because you know, I sit in this lounge and you, and you see these beautiful views and it's like... Lock it in, Eddie. We'll yeah. do it. Okay, we'll lock it in. We'll, we'll do it next week. 
I need to get on the bike. <laughs> um, okay, guys, this week's discussion. So this week's discussion is, uh, where is it? Hot topic. Oh, oh no, What yours. is the stupidest thing you've done in a race you vowed never to do again? Oh. And the genesis for this the is, genesis. firstly, I wore my swim, swim skin you've in a race of 70.3. And then I mistakes. did it again this year. Uh, which is just <laughs> beyond rookie, like it's 101. just stupidity. Um, but good old, the, the Albanator Albert Boyce sent me an email yesterday um, in light of that, because he knew that that was a pretty foolish thing to do. But he said a mate of his at the weekend did a race, and he had his N45, whatever, those masks on yep. before the race, yep. and he just put it around his neck before and the race. for the whole time. And then he did the whole race. I'm not sure if it was in uh, what distance it was, and nobody told him you still got your mask around your neck and he did the whole thing around his neck like a parachute and he felt like a right plonker but he also thought why didn't anybody tell me I had this around here maybe they were thinking you want your mask available for when you finish one classic one that I did was I'll save that for next week I know but I'm going to tell it when, uh, when we did Kona not putting sunblock in the lower bit of your back oh uh, yeah yeah that's a big one yeah yeah and my my it was like it wasn't even red it mm. was like Burnt. <laughs> you know? People don't do that now because they all got tri suits. So, oh, yeah. then it's a, the, the two piece isn't popular. Yeah, and even you know you got sleeves. There's so much, so little of your body to get roasted. Yeah, yeah. Good old Ollie Jenner, Mr. Sausage, still managed to get himself roasted every and year. And he's got pretty pale skin, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's a guy who does not want to get roasted. <laughs> <laughs> okay, John's quiz question: How many Ironmans did Chris McCormick? a.k.a. Macca, win. Oh, so not just Ironman World Championships, yeah, I mean, Ironman, Ironman races. Because we see him now these days, and he's a great commentator guy on, on the Super League and, and, and quite influential in the sport. And, and that's kind of how you see him now. You don't I don't necessarily see him as the athlete. In his day, mate, he was a bloody megastar. Uh, so how many Ironmans did he actually He was run? really important for the sport at that time too because we were in that phase where it was a bit boring. You know, we had, we had some really good champions, but they just were a bit... Blase. Mm-hmm. Mecca will always mix things up. Okay, that's a good question. We'll come back to it later on. Okay, Coach's Corner. You want to go for a walk, mate? We right. can walk up the mountain. I went for a, yeah, I was doing my, my long run last week and I, and I did this route that I really, it's my new favourite long run. I have to take you on at some stage. Um, in the week before. Where is it? Uh, you go up kind of through Barnvale and stuff. Yeah. It sort of traverses across. And it's really nice. It's not too steep. Uh, and the week before it was fine, and then the last week it was quite muddy, and there was one stretch I was I was walking, going, ah, oh, bugger this, I'm walking. And then I was thinking, actually, I've been prescribing a bit of walking in some of my programs lately to yep. quite a few athletes, thinking, oh, this might be a reasonable short topic to have on the show. So, is it okay to walk when you're training? You guys have heard me talk, you know, at length about walking and racing and how to do that strategically. But what about training? So, Ironman running is much more. Well, hopefully, you guys know this about strength and endurance rather than speed. So, whilst I'm going off and trying to run a fast 5k at the, at the moment, your 5k speed is not directly applicable to what you can you can do in an Ironman. It is more about the strength and endurance. So yep. um, so what to try to get that strength and endurance, you've got to build load, and you can do that through endurance, through increasing your running frequency, um, doing intensity, or doing some strength work. So Bevan, what's the key with running? Whenever you're doing running, trying to increase your running. What, what do you mean when, you, when you're trying to increase? What's the one thing you've got to try to avoid? Injuries. Yes. Yeah. So staying healthy is the absolute key thing. So um, all th- this advice here is, you know, 
generic because run load is massively individualized because some people can do lots of endurance, some people can handle intensity. I just think you could be really wise in how you do Like, it's interesting. I've got back to running in the last, you know, I had my operation, what, 18 months ago now? Mm-hmm. And six months back to impact. Mm-hmm. And then didn't really focus on running. I got more, I did six months of gym work. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last six months I've been running and, you know, it's only really been the last month that I've really started to add any real intensity. Like the, mm. the loading, especially as your age, you just got to be really wise in how you calculate your loading stages, you know, and, and not just loading, but also intensity loading. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm back to, I'm, I'm still far back away from what I was before my operation, but I'm definitely back to good running now. So you got to think about where walking comes into it um, and whether you want to do it. Um, because the main thing is, as in racing, you've got to have purpose to your walking. Like if you, lots of people think about walking in different ways. People like you know faster athletes have a fear of walking either because they think they're being weak or they think they won't be able to get into a, they'll lose their rhythm. Others to just do it when they're tired, and that basically means you're just being a bit lazy. So you've got to have some some you know structure and clear direction around why you might walk in training this is tra- we're talking training here not necessarily racing yeah. so long runs is going to be the main time when you might bring some walking into play um, the objective with your long run is you're trying to build endurance and durability that's going to help you later on in a run um, so by not walking you're going to build more load which is a good thing you know if you go and go for a uh, two and a half hour long run and you don't walk then you're going to have a higher load than if you do a two and a half hour run with walking, which is obviously pretty pretty obvious. Um, by not walking, you're going to slightly increase the risk of injury and you're going to prolong your recovery. So it'll take longer to get over those sessions. Um, mentally, it's a little bit tougher to, to not walk all the way through. And that's a good thing in training. You know, you want to make your training tougher so you do become mentally stronger. Um, when it comes to racing, you know, you're not necessarily looking for the hardest way to do things. So again, we're talking more about training, but in racing, walking can also you know, help you mentally to sort of break things down. So by inserting some walking breaks into your long runs, it gives you a micro recovery, both on a muscular level um, and also it dips your heart rate slightly each time through. So what that means, it's going to be a slightly lower lower load and that's a good and a bad thing because we want to get as much load as we can but we don't want to go over that point where you get injured. Um, And by walking, it does significantly reduce the injury risk. Um, It does also, what a really good benefit, it allows you to potentially increase the length of your long runs. So if you kind of got a history, you know you might crack a bit when you get start getting above, say, two hours. If you start to insert some walking breaks into your long runs, that might mean you might get out to two and a half to three hours. So it's sort of just balancing that load a little bit. so you want to have a plan if you're going out and doing your running uh, as a run walk. You know, if you probably got less of a running background, you know, you might want to settle on sort of nine minutes run, one minute walk. Um, and the way that I'm kind of doing it at the moment is uh, is I'll just have a bit of a break every sort of fifteen to twenty minutes or so, maybe walk for a, a minute around about that time, just so I can. So you're not thinking long walking, are you? It's just, it's just no, breaks. A, a minute to two minutes, and and the other thing, sometimes it's not always about having a walk it might be having a little break at a, at a water station yep. just breaking it up so it's not that load all the way through but I will stress is the downside of walking it is going to reduce the, the load on, on your legs and it is you don't want to treat it as an easy out you go I'm walking and it's there's like a, a strategy reason, yeah, yeah. There's a reason for it I want to walk because that's going to reduce my injury risk that I know I've had some issues with in the past or I want to come out the other side a little bit fresher so you if you get 
constantly get smoked from doing your long runs and it means it's going to take four days to recover. You go, I really want to do two hours but I want to lessen the load slightly so then two days later I can do that interval session. Um, so I'm not saying at all everybody should include walking in here but it might be at times in your build up it might be a sensible thing to do in the whole sort of looking at your whole week structure and sort of building up your volume. If you're in say like Bevan's case or, or you're, you've, you're, you're pretty new to the sport then I'd say walking is really, really important but you just want to add some structure to it. Uh, one thing as well, I think, kind of not to do with walking, but kind of what's really important, especially if you're someone who's kind of newer to the sport, is understanding what happens to your body when fatigue hits. Mm. You know, so like one strategy is John saying, if you're starting to feel for a bit of fatigue, is to add that walking in, which fingers crossed means you can manage longer loading. And, but also understanding the body position, because, you know, mm. it's, I often talk about, if you go to a, let's say you go watch the Christchurch Half Marathon, the first 10% of the field get to the finish line, they look just like they've started the race. Mm-hmm. You know, they might look tired, but their movement patterns are brilliant. Mm. Then the further you go down the field, the more ugly the technique goes. And basically what that is, it's just showing unconditioned people getting to the finish line. And a lot of people don't understand the things that they that happen to their body when they're getting fatigued. And that's mm. where getting a coach or getting some assessments done. And I like that's why I like, like running groups and stuff like that, because you can get on a treadmill and get a running assessment, but you're often in really good form when you do that. Mm. So you're not really getting real world feedback. Whereas if you if you can go to a running group or a running, you know, you go to a run, you know, be in a running group or a, you, you need a running group, but where coaches are in part of the experience. They're going to see you in your moments of fatigue and they're going to be, you know, like I know of our runners, you know, we're seeing people when they're 20k into a run and I'm like, okay, you know, you drop them in your hips, you, you know, mm. whatever it is. Um, and then knowing that awareness of when I get tired, this is what happens to my body, here's what I need to focus on. Mm. And it's important for a couple of reasons. A, when you're training, if you know that's the case and you can try to consciously hold that position so your body learns to condition to that level but b when you're racing you, you know how to actually what you need to focus on at that time mm. and it's just a really important thing to think of and, and obviously walking maybe while you're having a walking block okay okay i'm now going into the next nine minutes i'm going to focus on hip position or cadence or whatever it is for you so yeah look it's walking i'm not saying everybody should have walk you should have a strategic plan around it um and sometimes it might be Another way of, no, actually, that's another topic for another day. Just to carry on Bevan's point, if you've got a, somebody watching you at a race and if it's a multi-lap event, um, yeah. it's great to get them to video you as yeah. you go through and then you can have a clip. You want to get a side-on view um, and you'll be able to see the difference in your body position. Even a front-on, because like the arm swing, mm. you know, you, you, mm. that rotation that happens a lot. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's really interesting. So many people don't think about running technique. Mm. And again, a lot of the feedback, you know, you can get those online assessments done and all those types of things. And there's value in them, mm-hmm. but what happens when you're fatigued? Oh, totally. You know, and it's yep. a completely different thing. And so yep. to learn that as well. Anything else, Jumbo? That's about it. Okay. Uh, so we're going to have an interview coming up now um, with Ryan Smith. Uh, I was just looking for his nickname, Ruthless Ryan Smith. <laughs> Ruthless. Yeah. That's a good one, that is. Like here is Ruthless Ryan. Right, guys, as you heard earlier in the show, um, we're going to talk to Ruthless Ryan Smith about <laughs> finishing the Western States 100 at the weekend. Um, I'm not engrossed in the in the world of ultra running, so I don't really know too much history about um, the different events. So I think 
when ultra running sort of comes up, I think, uh, uh, you know, the Mont Blanc, Mont Blanc ultra marathon, think about the comrades in South, South Africa, think about Leadville and then the Western States 100 is, is one that I've certainly heard about, but the history around it is, is, is quite cool. There's only 369 places each year or start spots um, and they get around 6,000 applications. So really? it's all done wow. via a lottery. It's a hundred mile running race in California and it follows the middle portion of the Western States Trail, which is a, a trail that's dedicated from Salt Lake City through to Sacramento. Um, it's on trails all the way, very, very hilly, very remote. It's got a 42 hour cutoff uh, and it's got a really cool history. In 1972, 20 US Army infant, infantrymen attempted to, to hike the trail nonstop in one day uh, ahead of a horse racing event. So it's a 24 hour horse racing event going over this trail. Uh, in 1974, a guy called Gordy Ainsley joined the horses in the event to see if he could do it uh, in 24 hours. He did it in 23 hours and 42 minutes, proving that a runner could do it in the 24-hour cutoff. And then in 1977, 14 men from four states participated in the first ever Western States endurance run. And Ryan Smith completed it at the weekend. So Ryan, welcome along to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, what was your motivation? You know, I've read a bit of the history there, but you know, you've uh, you're a triathlete, but also an ultra runner. What was your motivation to go and go and do this particular event? Uh, well, part of it is it's it's in my backyard. I kind of grew up. Well, I grew up in Auburn, uh, where the race finishes. Uh, so growing up in that town and watching that race as a kid, it's just kind of been on the bucket list to do because uh, it's been in my backyard for so long. Um, but getting into the race has been a challenge. Obviously, you know, it's a lottery system. So um, that's kind of the main motivation of why I wanted to do it. It's quite an interesting lottery system because it's, you get a ticket first year and then you keep getting tickets and it sort of, sort of builds up. So you eventually you, you, you'll get in. Um, but you're a triathlete as well. So, and you can lay down some pretty decent times when you're, uh, you know, in the run portion of a races when, in, in your age group. So tell us a little bit about your running background and your triathlon background so people can get a picture of what sort of an athlete you are, you know, going into this particular event. Yes, I, uh, I grew up uh, playing soccer, uh, I guess football for you guys, but that was kind of yeah. my main sport as a kid and uh, just really into soccer and then um, wanted to do more endurance sport after, you know, college. I went to school and got out and wanted to just stay active. Um, so I had one of my old college buddies kind of get me into doing triathlons. So just for fun, just like a lot of people do, I started doing sprint triathlons just to stay healthy and active. Um, did that for a few years and then had a family, kids, wife came and the time dedication got limited. Uh, and it's always easy to put a pair of running shoes on, you know, they're always in your car. You can stop on your way home from work, get in 30 minutes. It's really easy and simple. Um, so then I kind of switched out of triathlon and started doing ultra running, um, and been doing that for, well, I was doing that for about 10 years, just while my kids were little and the family and, and time dedication. Um, and then just recently got back into triathlon these last couple of years, just cause my kids have gotten a little older, but, um, I, I like the variety, you know, mixing it up between the ultra marathons and, and Ironman triathlon just keeps it fresh. You know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a nice combination. So 
what's the main difference? You know, they're both obviously very long events and obviously triathlon, your, your body's differences, you know, you're kind of mixing things up a little bit more, you know, but what are, what are the key differences between the two sports? Um, I think, you know, with ultra marathons, it's, it's, uh, you're always, well, I guess just like in an Ironman, but, um, you're problem solving constantly because you're out there for so long, you know, you can only do so much to get fit you know, as far as your, your aerobic system, but there's something that's going to happen to you out there on a, on a hundred mile, you know, or a hundred K run that whether you're dealing with your feet, you know, your blisters, or you're dealing with nausea and you can't get calories down. So I think the biggest difference is, is you're constantly problem solving on those long ultras where not to say in an Ironman, you don't do a little bit of that, but it just takes it to another level. Um, you know, when you're out there for 24 plus hours. So that, that's a big difference as well. It's, it's more or less, you know, roughly double the time for, for a lot of people. So Ryan, you're out there 24 hours and you um, at least half of that for less than half of that for, for an Ironman. So I think that would be, uh, yeah, just a lot more time out there. So give us a bit of an overview of the Western States 100 in terms of the, the course. And if, if someone's going, oh, might think about that. Give give people a bit of reality reality check on what this course is like, um, both in terrain and, and what you expect. Yeah, so it's a it's a net downhill course, but it's far from being downhill. Uh, there's I think twenty one thousand feet of climbing and nineteen thousand feet of descending. Um, you start at eighty three hundred feet up at Olympic Valley, Squaw Valley, uh, in the Sierra Nevadas, and you're kind of up in the high country for about 20 miles. Some years there's snow, you might have to, you know, traverse through some snow and, um, and then you drop down through the middle section of the course, uh, they call the canyons and it's four pretty steep climbs and descents that you go through in the middle of the course. Um, and then you come into forest Hill, which is the only spot on the race. That's actually a road. There's about two miles of road. Um, and then you can pick up pacers at that point. And then you go from Forest Hill, you drop down to the American River, which is a pretty famous river here in California. And you get to cross the river. Um, and that's at mile 78. And then when, when, from you, there, when, you, when you say cross the river, have you got to forward through it or is there a bridge you go across? So you have to forward through it. So yeah, oh, you, yeah. you, uh, so yesterday when I did it, it was about, I'd say chest high. Yeah. And it's probably, oh, I don't know, maybe a hundred feet across. Yeah. And, uh, you, you have a, you hook up to a rope and you they have volunteers there. Um, and then some years when there's a lot of snow melt off, they'll put you in a raft and they'll just yeah. shuttle you across on a raft. Um, but yeah, getting your feet wet at mile 78 and <laughs> trying to keep running and you got blisters and you start cramping, but anyway, so that's, uh, so then you get to the other side of the river and then you have what mile 78 home is what another 22 miles, um, kind of mellow trails. And, and then you end in the town of Auburn. Um, and most years it's usually pretty, you know, about hundred degrees. I think yesterday it topped out at 102. Um, so dealing with the heat is, is a, I mean, it's, yeah, that's another issue you got to work through, but, uh, they said there's, I think, 1,600 volunteers. Wow. Um, I mean, it's incredible. And 83 pounds of ice per runner. I mean, they shuttle in ice, like, unbelievable <laughs> amount. So, is it, is it um, quite a solo experience? Like, you know, like, 
because there's only 300 something people racing are you kind of by yourself most of the time or how does that work out uh yeah usually in the beginning <clears throat> you're with a group um we call them congo lines where you might get a pack of five or six runners that you're kind of the same skill level and you kind of might work together for a bit um but i'd say 70 percent of the race i'm solo i'm by myself i don't see anybody wow yeah how, how do you manage the the support you know in terms of um nutrition your hydration stuff you know because i know it's really remote out there so what are, what are your sort of opportunities to to get fuel on yeah so the there's eight stations anywhere from five to eight miles apart um and then I, I wear a vest with my, I have like one and a half liters of water on my back. And then one liter, I was using the Morton um, uh, liquid calories. And then I have the Morton gels. Um, but then along the course at each aid station, they've got, I mean, it's a smorgasbord of food uh, <laughs> that you can eat from. Um, so they, they do a really good job of taking care of you, making sure uh and then there's specific locations you can pick up a crew. You can have, I think there's six locations for drop bags. So you can sporadically put your drop bags out if you have special, you know, nutrition. Mm. Um, so it's, but it's, yeah, not, it's not, not dissimilar to, to an Ironman in terms of you're not ever too far away from getting some support. Correct. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're moving real slow, I mean, you're maybe an hour and a half, two hours max away from any kind of support. So, yeah. Um, what, what was worrying you most going into the event in terms of, um, getting from start to finish? Um, well, it's a, an ultra, there's so, so many things can go wrong. I think the one thing for me I've struggled with is, is my nutrition. Um, and then putting that in with the heat, you know, a hundred degree weather with nutrition, it's just, uh, I was concerned about how to keep the calories down and, because you, you can't run unless you have calories. You got to keep calories going. Um, so that was one of my biggest concerns. And to, how did the, how did the overall race sort of pan out for you? Yeah. Pretty good. I think uh, through about mile, I'd say seventy for me, the nutrition was going down pretty good. And then it kind of went south on me. And um, I can usually tell because you go to the aid station and I nothing looks good. I mean, it just <laughs> looks like. You know, and it's like, okay, I guess I'll start on the Coke um, yeah. or, you know, ginger ale, Coke, that simple sugar. And um, so I, I think it would did pretty good. I wish I could have gone a little further on, on solid food, but it happens. So, yeah. Um, and what, what advice would you give to people that, you know, you've probably got a fair idea of what triathletes mindset are and what triathletes are like you've done ultra running. So to a degree, you kind of knew what you were getting yourself in for, but you know, for, for triathletes are thinking, ah, oh, I kind of want to try something a little bit different and maybe try some ultras. Have you got any sort of generic advice or, or reality checks you'd, you'd give for people? Uh, start small. I mean, start with the 50 K uh, you know, then maybe a 50 miler, I, I wouldn't jump right into a hundred mile race. Um, and that'll give you a good taste of the distance. And then, um, also the terrain, you know, if you want to get on a, on a mountain 50 K, uh, I just start small and also find it. I mean, there's a lot of running community groups, the ultra scene, you know, it's very much community centric. You know, a lot of people get together. There's a lot of clubs, events and things you can do. So, I think hooking up with, with a local club is very helpful because they can show you trails and, and different areas that 
are exciting to run. So, just body management, because I imagine the cost on the body is worse than an Ironman and, and quite a big deficit. So, post race, how do you look after your body? Uh, post race, yeah, <laughs> he's so, wor- working on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, yeah, trying to figure that one out. I just was on a plane for two hours and I think all the blood pooled to my feet. It was not comfortable, but, uh, I mean that, that just the stretching and, and it's trying to stay a little bit active, trying to just, even if you can walk a little bit, um, is, is always helpful, you know, hopping on a bike for just spinning the legs out a little bit, um, kind of helps flush things out. But, you know, for me, it's like a lot of the stuff is like the blisters and that just has to come with time, you know, to heal up. So how long will it be before you're running again? Saturday. Uh, <laughs> they, the, the ultra runners usually say for every 10 miles of a race, you take a day off. Okay. So a t- typical hundred miler, you would take 10 days off. Okay. Um, you know, for me, I, I physically probably can't run cause my feet are so bad, but okay. uh, on an average race, I'd take five or six days off. So yeah, nice. I'll, I'll, I think I've got a picture of your toes. We'll see if we can put that on our on our uh, I think we, our page. I think we'll fake that. You know? <laughs> toes don't look like they're going to survive. That uh, was awesome. So you finished in about 24 hours, um, and I think you're about 105th or 109th or something like that. What's the what's the dropout rate with the, the event? I mean, they've got 369 um, entries. Uh, how many usually end up finishing, roughly? Roughly, I think the statistic is around 60%. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, quite a few people drop, um, yeah. you know, on, on this race. So it depends on every year, you know, if it's cooler weather, you get a little bit higher yeah. rate, you know, but, um, this year was a hot one. So on, on satisfaction levels, obviously you've done a lot of you know, endurance events and achieved some pretty big things. Where does this sit on that? As far as like uh, success or oh, just feeling, you know, yeah, yeah. Satisfaction, yeah. you know, like success or, you know, yeah, I mean, I think I, I, I definitely would want to come back to this race, um, you know, to experience it the first time and really see what it's like and then to go back again and really nail it. Um, yeah, so I think that's something I definitely want to do. Mm, nice work. Oh, you got a bit of holiday time to chill out and relax now. So uh, keep your feet up, yeah. keep those feet up, go and, <laughs> go and jump in the lake. Um, no, thanks for sharing that with us. It was, uh, it's cool to find out what these ultra events are, are like. So yeah. Ryan, yeah. Smith, ruthless Ryan Smith. Thanks for your time. Legend. Cheers guys. Yeah. And I'll send you pictures if you want. So brilliant. Come on. Awesome, mate. Thank you. All right. Cool. Uh, we, we did that interview before we've done this bit, but I'm sure Ryan was ruthless. Ryan was ruthless in the race. You've got to be ruthless if you're going to be bloody running for 24 hours. It bloody hurts. Okay, uh, product review. We're going to look at form goggles. What are they? What are they about? And what's the benefit, Jombo? So let's talk about them. What are they? So form goggles, the easiest way to conceptualize them is they're basically a goggle that's almost got like your bike computer or your running watch in one of the eyes. Yeah, you can feedback while you're swimming. Yeah, so you basically, every time you turn at the at the at each length of the pool it's going to give you a split for that um, for that length uh, so it's basically like your bike computer and your running computer in one of your lenses it's of your my eyes. mind away John I'm at the website right now they look absolutely amazing yeah 
So um, you want to view these as a tool, not a goggle. You know, we're going to be calling them form goggles all the way through, but it's just another tool you can add to your arsenal to make sure your training's a lot more structured. Uh, the other thing is it gives you access to a really big library of workouts. So when you go, I did a workout um, last weekend, and I, I, over the next little period I'm going to talk through um, all the different features of the goggles, but went to the swim, you click a couple of buttons, click on the workout you want to do, and boom, it's going to basically walk you through a workout. A bit like if you're doing a structured workout on yeah. a bike, you know, it will say, right, two by 100s, steady. Uh, and that, that, actually, they don't use the word steady, but in terms of the intensity. Yep. And then you'll go through that, it'll count your lap, laps for you, it'll tell you last lap, uh, it'll give you your rest interval, and then it'll say, right, next up is four by 50s. It's a bit of a game changer, aren't they? Um, yeah, f- f- I think for the for the non-swimmer, um, who, and especially if you're not coached, Doma program, absolutely. You know, you've got all the workouts there. We're going to go into that um, in the coming weeks. So, how do they actually work? You've got um, in one of your uh, goggle lenses, you've got two or three data fields, and you can fully customize them, uh, and they can give you all the data you need on the go. So, um, for example, pace, distance, interval distance, stroke rate. It's all really customizable through their app. Um, so, for example, when I was swimming this morning, I have. Uh, one of the main fields I have whilst I'm swimming is uh, the the time for that particular interval, and then down the bottom I have the uh, distance that I've done for that interval, so it's counting my lengths for me and my time, and then every time I turn, it'll give me my split for that length, and then uh, and so then I can keep track of my pacing. Yep. Again, I'll go into that stuff later. Um, so as I said, you can choose a form workout, and that's going to take you through step by step through your own. Um, through your workout and it'll tell you you know, what exactly you're supposed to be doing, how hard you're supposed to be going. Uh, it'll help you count your lengths and it'll help you analyse your sessions. I've got a great app for afterwards. You can just look through. It'll give you a split for every 100 or every interval you've done. It'll give you a split for that. Wow. So you can go back and go, okay, I did 2100s today. I started off at 1 minute 45s and then I was dropped down to like 1 minute 55 so it'll give you all your splits all the way through in a really easy to digest way um, the goggle itself is kind of in terms of the makeup of it it's kind of fairly traditional sort of goggle does it feel heavy? Uh, no not really I mean it's it's a, a fraction because it's got the little computer thing on the side yeah, yeah. so on, on this and, and you can I have it on my right hand side I oh, think so you can um, alternate yeah, sides. you can switch around. Then you've just got to change the programming of uh, through, through the app. Um, so on one side, yeah, you've got a little computer on the, the and, side. And on your goal. side, like obviously you've got the, the computer kind of feedback. Do mm. you, does it give you the same kind of vision of your swim? Uh, it, it's it's a little bit limited in terms of the vision. Um, and it takes quite a while to get used to looking not looking at the stats the whole time oh um, okay because it kind of gets a bit consuming yeah yeah and, and the way i think of it is when you're out running if you're doing intervals you're not looking at your watch no. the whole time you know if you're doing a, a k or a mile split you might look at it yeah you know three or four times or if you need to motivate yourself you're gonna look at it just to pull mm. yourself in yep uh and so that's one of the things that i'll go into later on as well as learning not to stare at the stats a whole, whole way through so they're not a super low profile goggle um they're not massive but they're not a super low profile goggle um and yeah, it takes a little while to get used to the data being in, in your eye. One th- side benefit that I find, I move my head around too much when I'm swimming. Okay. And I've noticed with this, I'm actually, it forces me to keep my head a little bit Because you can still. see the screen I, moving. I can see, yeah, yeah. I can see, my, see myself moving. Wow. So the key benefits are, um, makes your swimming heaps more structured and targeted, especially if you don't have, really have a program that you follow regularly. I think it would also be really, like you haven't got this written down here, but really motivating. Mm, you know, like for someone like me, 
Who's swimming was always a grind, mm. and admittedly squads helped. Mm-hmm. But if I went to the pool by myself, it was always a half-hour swim. Mm. You know, even if I had sets, you know. Yeah. Whereas if you could, you know, like I know you're, if you're on the bike at the gym and you've got those numbers in front of you, you've got targets you're mm. trying to hit, i definitely go to the next level. Mm. You know, massive motivator. Uh, it measures your performance um, as, you, as you swim and afterwards. Uh, helps massively with pace, pace control, especially when you're trying to hold a, hold a pace. Massively, I would think it would reduce the boredom factor for, yeah. for people. For me, it's a bit different. For swimmers, you're just intrinsically trained to be watching the clock the whole time. And yeah, so see, I, still, I never was. Yeah. You know, I, I never was. I was so, kind of like, you know, coming from not being a swimmer, you know, because you'd always be like, look at the clock. <laughs> you just, the cl- it's clock is everything when you're a swimmer because you're doing sets and you're going, boom, I'm doing 10, one, 10 100s and I've got to hold this time and you're checking and every, and it helps you counting. It helps keep it interesting. So I think for, for non-swimmers, I know that they struggle with this so I know this will massively reduce the boredom. Um, and with the workouts through form, it takes away the guesswork. You know, there's purpose around your sessions. You know they've been tailored by, you know, uh, some good coaches. Uh, and so if you're not coached, then boom. You've got yourself swim workouts and you can go, okay, Monday I want to do more of an endurance session, Wednesday I want to do a speed session, Thursday I want to do a, a strength session or something like that. So you can check it out at formswim.com. In terms of the cost, they're working on a membership model, so you can start from $19 a month and that'll give you access to, A, gives you, gets you a pair of goggles and then gives you access to all of their um, workout library. Got a promo code, IMTalk15. That'll give you $15 off. So not IMTalk, what did I say? It's IM15. 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 Give you $15 off. Helps you uh, in terms of getting $15 off. Also helps us because they know that um, you've come come via us. So what I'm going to do over the next little period uh, is just go through some of the ways you can use the goggles, um, how you can set your paces and, and so on. So really, really good. I've done a review on them, I don't know, several years ago when I first got them. Uh, and I know that a number of athletes that I coach that have got them uh, love them, especially those that swim by themselves. I think that's the yeah. I reckon big yeah. time. Mm. You know, going back to me again, if I was a squad, I was, I was motivated because people pulled mm. me along. But by myself, there was the difference between me being in a squad and me by myself was probably forty percent difference. Mm. You know, in in quality of training. Mm. You know, and something like this, I don't know if I would have got the same as a squad, mm. but I definitely would have been a much smaller gap. I was wearing them this morning, and it's just I was just bang on every single interval that I wanted to do. I was bang on the time and I swam with one other guy, Tom, and I was like, and first set we did, I was like, he's going a little bit too slow here, sort of swam yeah. up behind him a bit. Kept his toes and a now bit. I could have been watching the clock every hundred or something like that. You sh- if you're looking at your watch when you're doing stuff, I never do that. You, you cock up your turns. So every, t- every time you... Um, Every time you turn, you're getting your split and it really keeps you on track. So check it out, formswim.com. Use the promo code IM15. Okay, we're going to go to Wanger of the Week. And today we're looking at Logan Julian. Yeah. Or is it Julian Logan? Well, it says Logan Julian, yeah. so I'm going with that. He had yep. 16 hours and 50 minutes of activity last week. One hour, 28 swimming. Eight hours, 38 on the bike. And six hours, 42 on the run. Looked like a pretty big week for him. Um, he was, it looks like he lives in Salt, well, he does live in Salt Lake City in I think Utah. he's trying for something big because he stepped up. Like, if you look at his history from t- July 21 through to May this year, kind of, you know, pretty consistent. 
But in the last six, seven weeks, woo, next level. He has gone next level. So, uh, yeah, it's summertime over there. The weather, I guess the weather in Salt Lake City in winter is probably pretty harsh. So good on him. Last week he looked like he did a big tour on the bike around Salt Lake City. Uh, and he did a bit of bit of trail running. Looks like he did a bit of bit of everything, really. So Tell you what. What a place to train. Look at his photos. Oh, Salt Lake. Utah looks amazing. Like that St. George race looked awesome. This is and I was just, watching just the, paradise. What, what is the name of that doco that you suggested oh, that about, I watched? Yeah, I can't remember. Something about Tear the Tears or something like yeah. that. It's on Netflix if it's you haven't about, seen about the Mormons. Colty family. Yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, it was pretty horrific. Well, they, these was, were extreme Mormons. They weren't, yeah. they weren't everyday Mormons. And having 63 wives. Yeah. Um, but that was in Utah as well. And just the scenery around there is just beautiful really yes. uh, well be- beautiful I don't know if I want to live there but just the the, the change between the cities and the, and the desert's awesome uh, so they get the extreme weather as well don't they yeah yep. Logan look at old Logan Julian his biggest climb holy shipples where's three, <laughs> holy shipples where's 3,053 metres how do you get that climb he must that's almost it's like Utah for you yeah it's got holy shipples the climb have you not heard of that holy shipples he did a night ride. I gotta look at this. Where was he? I think I think this is I was about to say this is in Kona, isn't it? No, it's not in Kona. But it looks like it's in an island somewhere in Hawaii. What he said, night ride. He did it in, it was in Maui. Never seen wind. Never seen wind to to a headwind no matter what the direction. Uh, okay, so he did that in Maui. Which is hundred and fourteen kilometers moving time. Six hours, 34, 24 minutes. Elevation, 3,000 metres. So he went from sea level up to that level. That's pretty Holy cool. Holy crap. How long did it take him? Uh, well, the whole ride was six hours, 24 minutes. Okay, that's pretty impressive. Does not, not doesn't look especially steep, but Just got that's on a long, long time to be climbing. On and on, on and on. Okay, Jombo, let's go oh, into... Oh. So What's his name? Three hours and sixteen minutes to like get halfway up the climb. I'm just on this on Strava. There you go. Uh, so it's called Hali Ikala, world's longest paved climb. It's fifty-five kilometers long, uh, two thousand nine hundred fifty-seven meters of elevation at five point three percent. Took him five hours and forty-one minutes. Uh, doesn't have power. Average heart rate one fifty. Everybody's heart rate's different, but that's still working at a reasonable effort. The fastest time is two hours and 24 minutes. The second place is Michael Woods. He's a pro cyclist. The guy that did it, two hours and 24 minutes. What did he do? Oh, that's going to take too much effort for me to find that. Okay. He's bloody out. That's a big climb. <laughs> Logan Julian, you, you are, are our winger, winger of, the week, of the week. And you've introduced me to a climb I didn't know about. Now he wants to do it. Um, okay. Questions and answers. So Robert B. Lean sent through an email last week saying... Boom, boom, B. Boom, boom, B. said, there's a really awesome post on one of the German triathlon groups on Facebook. And he's, he had to be a part of the group, so I couldn't get to it. So I said, can you can you send it back to me? And basically it was from... Who was it from? Who was it was it? from the founder, the guy who uh, started Ironman Frankfurt, a guy called Kurt Denk. And the reason they started it was because... Uh, 
Iron Man weren't happy with Rote and Rote were gonna um, go away, not, go not, not have their, renew their license. So they found Kurt Denk and Kona, uh, and he was gonna start Iron Man Frankfurt. So some interesting beginnings with Frankfurt from someone who had no experience, but he went big. So downtown race, despite lots of opposition, they treated athletes like king. The prime minister started the first event. Memorable moment: I had the gun I needed for my in my, my jacket pocket, and when I pulled it out, three bodyguards suddenly got frantic. <laughs> suddenly there were six hands on my shoulders because they thought I might be an undercover assassin yeah. it would be pretty extreme so um, how big a risk was setting up Iron Man Frankfurt for him the first year he lost about a million euros he had to remortgage his house yeah jeez uh, in the end he was generating more than two million euros in sponsorship income every year today he reckons it's a maximum of 800,000 so they're making less yeah because he reckons it's just less interest from sponsors um, but without the money there's no innovations uh and yeah, look, he basically pumped a lot of his money into getting pro athletes. Yeah, so it was being really important. Um, he said he like top stars: Fredino, Langer, Keenley, Hag, all started a week later. And oh, he's just saying, okay, Ironman only survives because they increase entry fees and keep inventing new races. In the long run, however, this does not result in a healthy basis. I always had to use the money from the city, which is 150 euros. And at least 150,000 euros. Yeah, sorry, uh, yeah, not 150. Uh, in the first five years, 200,000 euros after that to support athletes to oblige at least two of the three top three in Hawaii for the men and women would start with me in Kona. Oh, sorry, in Frankfurt. I paid people like Stadler between 57,000 euros to sign up. It's no longer done today. I also bought like Cam Brown, Peter Reed, Chris McCormick because I paid them good money. So he's basically saying he paid a lot to get athletes there. It's big, the big pros. And, and they're not doing it now, and it's kind of hurting the race. And, uh, and he yeah, sort of said that he reckons now, these days, about a quarter of a million he could probably could have got Fredino, Langer, Keenley, Haug, people like that. Um, and yeah, he just he's just saying, I don't think Hawaii, the, the Ironman are doing themselves any favours here in terms of they're just trying to, he kept saying in here, you know, reap before they sow. And yeah. he's just saying, this event's been around for a while. You've got to keep investing. At the moment, they're kind of, where well, they've gone past the peak in, in the sport yeah. uh, and they're just trying to pillage as much money out of these events rather than investing in the stars. And we've got to remember the cultural differences here. So for a lot of places, like uh, uh, in a lot of races, if you don't have the pros, oh, the event's still going to do really well. Well, you, well you, but, like in New Zealand, you need like a Cam Brown or you need the yeah. local Kiwi to do well. Uh, but in, in Germany, kind of what he's saying is you need the big pros, A, to get sponsors, B, to get the media attention and just to get that hype around it. And that's going to vary a bit yeah. from country to country. But in in somewhere like Germany, this is an assumption, where the sport's got a reasonably good following you know, from general public, but it's got a massive number of people that actually are doing the sport. Those stars, he's, he's implying, are really, really important. And he just thinks Ironman's just kind of trying to pillage um, things. And he's just going, that's why they're all going to Rote, where they, Rote is just has this massive community feel. Oh, did I tell people that if they want to come to Rote next year? I'm yeah, right, yeah okay. you, have told yep. them, but you can tell them again. Yeah. Yep. Um, but that's the difference between Rote and, and Germany is how, however they do it in Rote, They've got such good community engagement. Yep. Uh, oh, and this that, was really interesting. That seems to be the difference. He said, back, back in the day, they used to get like a million people on the course. No, around a million, a quarter of a million. Blah, 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 blah. Where was he? He's saying... He's basically saying there's a lot less people on the course yeah. these days than what there people, used to be. Uh, people feel that in my time, when the weather was good, it was up to half a million people linked the route. 
lined the route. When I drove the lead vehicle in the last race before Corona in 2019, I was shocked of how little was going on. If the Ironman no longer has this unique selling point in Kona, they would have lost the competition with the competition long ago. Rote is now doing everything else better, and I have to admit that without envy. Mm. So, and let's be honest, it'll be really interesting to see in Germany, because, you know, we've always talked about Germans loving triathlon, mm. and, you know, it was always often the same weekend um, or week about. It'll be interesting to see how much like this let's be honest that field last weekend was pretty poor mm-hmm. now nothing gets the people who won it but in comparison to the race that this guy put on in the past um it'd be interesting to see what the love of that race is happening from the German public and is this wrote this weekend still a huge thing yeah yeah so interesting times it is um interesting insight too isn't it it is yeah. just uh, popping our, our interviewee a quick email here, Bevan, because he's got he's got home. He's come come home oh. from the Western States. Perfect. I tell him we'll be there in five minutes. Fifteen. Um, I'm going to say ten minutes. Okay. Plus. There you go. He can wait. He can wait. Right. Okay. Let's go into the quiz question. Okay. So how many have you looked? I have not. I've got the link, so we should be able to do this pretty quickly. How many time? How many Ironmans did Chris McCormack win? So he won Kona twice. Mm-hmm. He won Australia. Three times, I'd, I'd go along with that. Yep, about, about three. He yep. wrote twice. I'd say so. That's seven. He must have won some I others. I think he would have won Germany. That's eight. Do you think he won? I don't know. I don't know. I don't that. think he won Germany. Okay, I'm. I'm going to go ten. Yeah, I think you're probably about right. I'm going to say eleven. No, I'm going to say nine. Okay. Okay, here we go. Just because I don't want to be the same as you, my new fat mate. <laughs> okay, so what have we got here? So we got. Um, coming up, coming up, coming up. We're going to pull up the PTO right now. There Great you go. website. And two two oh five Austria, Australia, and wrote two oh six wrote and Australia two oh seven Hawaii and wrote. I won seven two eight. I'm in Germany. Oh, I was right. I that's did seven Hawaii Hawaii in twenty ten. That's eight. <laughs> I think I've got it. Nine is Ironman Kent. Yes. Ironman World Long Distance Champs. <laughs> no, there was the, 10. There was the ITU World Long Distance Champs. There you go. <laughs> I was right. <laughs> there you go. Nine, nine Ironman wins for Chris McCormack. Which Nailed is, it. Uh, yeah. Very good. Good on him. And his career, for those who don't know much about Chris's career, his career is a very fascinating career because he started ITU, came along, won the World Championships very young mm-hmm. and was kind of, in that transition of that first kind of 90s age group, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. It was kind of his lesson was getting, won the world championship, didn't make the Olympic team for Sydney. Mm-hmm. And it was a debacle. He should have been team A. Yeah, you said no. They had so many good athletes. They had so many they? good athletes. You could have picked bloody 10 of them probably. Yeah, that was the problem, wasn't it? Yeah. Did they get the right athletes? No. Who well, should they have didn't gone? get any medals. Who would have you picked? Um, I can't time. actually, I think, who did they pick? I think they picked Peter Rob. I can't remember who they picked. Peter Robertson, Greg Bennett, somebody else, I think. Uh, they were, yeah, that's Could've so strong. Mm. Yeah, um, and so then he got a bit, bit, bit annoyed. So yeah. he went over to Ironman. <clears throat> First year in Ironman, he got six, I think, wasn't it? Oh, uh, he was pretty, pretty. He was, he was good everywhere except for Kona. He had a lot of failures in Kona, so it was a real roller coaster. And it took to it was a bit like Mark Allen. It took like six years to win Kona. Mm. And and the thing about Chris was he was never shy, mm. and he was talking shit and all the rest of it, but he wasn't really pulling it together. And then he won it, and then the next year he came back, and unfortunately he had a bike mechanic. And then he came back the next year and, and stellar race. Because mm-hmm. that's when Crowey was at his best. Mm-hmm. And he took on Crowey and, and did well and won it twice in Kona. So legs. And he also won the 73 World Champs. Did he? Yeah. Because okay. yeah, I think he won four. Because mm-hmm. I think he won the ITU. 
He won the Ironman 70.3 and... I don't think he did win the 70.3 World Champs. I don't think it even existed when he was around. Okay, let's, I'll, I'll talk about it. You, okay. You, you, I'll quickly... You uh, I'm not going to do... I was going to talk about my uh, Project One Minute, but I'll save that for, for next week. Um, I've saved that for a couple of weeks now, but I'll use that next week. Uh, but running is going well. I ran five times last week, which I was stoked with, um, and feeling pretty good. In terms of today's swim set, what did we do this morning? We did a 300 warm-up where we alternated uh, 50 freestyle, 25 back, 25 breast. Then we did 300 of uh, kicking and drills. And then the main set, it was quite funny this morning. I wrote the main set up and I forgot to put the bracket. I put the brackets around it, but I forgot to put the number two next to it. So everybody's going, oh, this is a bit of a short swim. I said, get it again. <laughs> doing that twice. <laughs> I said to Tom, the guy I'm swimming with, I said, you do the first set and I'll do the second set. He goes, there is no second set. Yes, there is. Uh, so the main set was 600 meters steady, six times 100, descend one to three, four to six. So that means going sort of steady, moderate, hard, steady, moderate, hard, 100 easy IM, and then repeated that main set again. So it was 2.6 Ks, uh, and then did a 400 very hard. I was quite happy with my time. Did 5.17 for that. That was good. 200 warm down, 3.8 Ks. Uh, he hasn't won it. I don't even know if he raced it. We didn't even get a top three. On. No, no. 70.3 Worlds. Yeah, 2006 it started. Was it? Craig Hunter's, remember because remember the first few years we didn't really oh, give yeah. much credit. So Craig Hunter's under one of the first year. Lessing got set for second in the first year. Okay. And then Richie Cunningham, remember? Monday. That was, yeah, that was our joke. Um, and then we had Andy Potts won the second year. Mm-hmm. Oscar Galendez, mm-hmm. he got second. It was a bit of a joke those first years. Yeah, yeah. Those athletes are great. Andrew Johns. But it was and then Terenzo course. won the third one. Mm-hmm. And then from there it started to get a bit more serious because remember Ray Lurt won it a couple of years. So, so realistically, the guys who won it have all the right guys. Like, yeah. you know, Alexander, greatest of all time, one of the greatest. Potts, you know, mm-hmm. arguably Sorry. of that time. And, and Terenzo was a really good 7.3 athlete. But yeah. You know, yeah. so there's no one on it. You, you might go like, like Andrew Johns in third. I think it's Andrew Johns. Mm. You probably wouldn't get a third it nowadays. A, uh, until it started moving, no one took it that seriously. Yeah. Once they started moving and they started having some cool locations, which they do a great job of these days, uh, it was a bit of a joke while I was at Florida. Females, Sam McGlone took out the first year. Mm. Um, Crafrey, Joanna Zyger, mm. Julie Dibbins. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was yeah. good, but it was yeah. nothing like what it is today. So no, but Mecca didn't even get top three, so I'm thinking he didn't even race it. Mm. Okay, John, let's say thank you to our patrons. Craig the Rock Nicholson. We've got Mandy T. Mac Tower. And Chris the Combustor Apple. And let's say thank you to our sponsor. Form. So form empowers swimmers at every level to reach their goals, whether they be want to swim stronger, faster, swim further, or be more efficient. Get lap-by-lap motivation with real-time metrics and workout instructions right in your goggles. Check them out at formswim.com and use the promo code IM15 to get yourself 15 bucks off okay also if you want to become a patron of the show we really appreciate all those people who are patrons and if you aren't and you've always thought about it jump on our website go to www.iamtalk.me go support the boys and just go through the process that way you help us do what we do get a bit of a gift and you're going to draw to win some prizes um, if you want coach, coaching coach John Houston.com. also is Epic Camps epiccamp.com my podcast Ben James Old Show I actually did it on how I wrote my book yesterday Nice. Mm. And my book comes out next week. So I'll be giving a big plug on the show next week. I really appreciate your support on this. It's been, it's a, it's a real life passion project for me and I'll go deep into it next week. But yeah, 
admittedly, it's not for you guys. It's mm. really, it's it's really not for people who are doing Iron Man. Mm. But I guarantee you have people in your life who aren't doing exercise and probably look up to you and probably would be, you know, listen to your your advice and this book is designed for those people so I'll talk about that next week uh, content age group of the week cool websites other feedback imtalkpodcast at gmail.com John your goss uh, we had a glorious weekend in Christchurch Sunday God, I was running was in the summit oh it was fantastic we had a shit it's winter so I'm not it's going to yeah. be cold but just at the weekend it was great so got out for a walk got out for a nice run I went for I do my repeki loop which Beautiful. is like an hour and a half yeah and because I normally get up and do it in the morning but I had some work I need to do and so I went at like one in the afternoon Sunday just perfection. Mm. No, it was stunning. So, yeah, a bit of, time, bit of time outside. Did the edges on my lawn, Bevan? Oh, mate. The irony of that was I was cutting, cutting them up. And going, oh, these are beautiful edges. This is the best I've ever looked. And then I was thinking, they're cutting this lawn up in about two days' time. They <laughs> yeah, do, this, do this work out the front of our house. Uh, so that was a bit of a pointless exercise. I was doing one of the edges. Found two cat shits on our lawn. I was like, bloody cats. Damn cats. We've got them everywhere around our place. Yeah. So other than that, you saw you get any bags? Once, once hanging in, <laughs> hanging in there. We had to actually one thing we did do at the weekend. We had to pick up. We got a person we get hay from. Okay. And yeah. last time we got hay, we got like six bags, and it lasted bloody ages because yeah. our kids aren't cleaning out the hutch as much as they should be. And we're like, how many bags should we get this time? She's, like, <laughs> she's on her last legs. We'll just get three this time. I think. <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh, so no, the weekends are kids stuff. You know, going watching running races. The kids had a had a running race, and it's one that's a cross country where they've got hurdles in it. Oh wow! And we had a bit of an argument in the car because uh, <laughs> I was telling them you've got to do these hurdles and you've got to learn how to do it. And it's one of those things you just got to have the confidence to do it. It's yeah. Like, and the hard thing we do if you haven't done cross country racing, doing a hurdle by itself these are quite high hurdles. Yep. They're quite challenging as they are, but when you do it when you're fatigued, oh, at like two yeah. or three k's in. And these are these aren't the hurdles that fall over. Like these are rock yeah. solid. Yeah, you're gonna hurt if yourself. If you take off and you don't have that strength in that leg to get the bounce that you oh. think you might have, it can turn ugly oh, real big quick. Time. Um, the so kids were right. They did. Um, what was quite cool was Tom was uh, catching the leader, and like so much so that he was only 20 meters behind. And the hurdles just before the finish, and the first lap he took the diversion because you can take a diversion it takes it goes a little bit longer. Um, this time he, he saw who's close to the front and he managed to hurdle it. So that, oh, that wow. was good. And then the other guy just saw him coming and just opened up this <laughs> withering sprint. Uh, so that was good. Um, Where did that, they do that? At, at Hulls No, it was out in, uh, out in QE2. Oh, okay, great. On an old, go- old golf course. Quite a cool course. I was actually going to go do a bit of Frisbee golf for the first oh, time. Oh, nice. But I then suck I, at Frisbee. But then, uh, but then I realised the running course was actually on the Frisbee golf course. Uh, you could have hit people. I could have could been your take. Hey, extra points. Quick enough. Yeah. Hurry up. That was about it for me, Bevan. Yeah, I was a bit like that myself, really. We, we, we were going to go out Saturday night, and then we just were tired. So we stayed home. And then we did the family round on Sunday night, and they got Pedro's lamb. Oh, yep. Oh, yep. oh that was good. Mm-hmm. Do you like slow-cooked meat? Yeah, and no, I've had Pedro's before. Oh, mm-hmm. And I went big time. Mm. Like, big plate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got to the table, because there were like seven or eight people staying, or over for dinner. I got to the table, <laughs> like it was like a pile of food. Nice. <laughs> but there was enough for everyone, I wasn't being greedy. So, other than that, John, I'm just excited. My book comes out next week. Um, it's, it's, you know, I'm really in that moment of doubt. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you do a big project like this, which you really believe in, I put time, money, resource, and just, which is purely a passion project, and you hope it goes well. Mm. And we've got a strategy, so we've got a strategy around how we can help it go well. But 
you know, you, you, you do have doubt. And um, we actually just sold the first copy. Woohoo! Yeah, I don't, I don't know how person found the website, but someone found the website. Um, and so that's encouraging. So we've... won it. <laughs> we need to sell a lot of copies to make our money back, but it's not the point. The point is it's more about helping people love movement. So I'll be talking about that next week, guys. Um, and I, again, as I said before, I really appreciate your support on this book. It's, it's called I Will Make You Passionate About Exercise. Uh, how do you take someone who's not doing exercise and make them fall in love with exercise? So we'll dig into that next week. Anyway, Jombo, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Mendo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Yeah.